0: Welcome to Intentional Box Season 1, Episode 17. I'm Lou Landers. Find me on Twitter at LandersTalks and at my new website, DrRoto.com. Your home for everything sports betting, daily fantasy sports and fantasy sports. Subscribe now. Use promo code RADIO for a nice discount. Of course, you can also find me on SiriusXM Sports Overnight America week. Friday night but let me bring in my co-host now I'm joined by my co-host Mark Mancini the mad man and Mark how's it going on this wonderful Wednesday morning tell us what you have going on these days
1: well I'll tell you one thing I'm so blessed to do this show that's sweeping the country with you part of that great XM series uh, with you and Fred and all the great guys uh, you know, that's a great thing. And end of September, it'll be WWDB AM 860 out of Philadelphia. Just doing the uh, Pittsburgh Pirate podcast with Tarek Brock. And boy, my Pirates have come up short the last two. But hopefully we can take this rubber game tonight. But other than that, man, I am just so blessed to work great. Great people like you. You're a godsend, my friend.
0: Well, I appreciate the kind words, buddy. I really Really do we got some good stuff here to talk about as well. top five dhs all time will each run down our list and some awesome playoff races going on around major league baseball. They are definitely heating up as the final stretch quickly approaches but let's get to those top five designated hitters i'll start with me with my list. my guy at number five is going to be Paul Molder was a third baseman on my list last week as well but he spent a ton of time at DH and clearly not the best player on this list but he arguably was the most complete all-around player on this list a seven-time all-star four-time silver slugger 93 world champion with the Jays won the world series MVP that season finished with a career slash line of 306 369 448 Over 3,300 hits, almost 1,800 runs, 230 plus homers, 1,300 plus RBIs, and 500 stolen bases. He did it all.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to top, but I'm going to go in your backyard in New York when he was doing some DHing for the Angels and stuff, and, you know, his legs didn't really hold up and everything. I'd have to go, Mr. October. Reggie Jackson was unbelievable in that role. Uh, You know, you saw what he did in the World Series and everything, the playoffs. I just think the swagger was just passed down to guys like uh, Barry Bonds, Deion Sanders, and now you're seeing the guys of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. So mine is number five, would be Reggie Jackson. I can't argue with
0: that. I mean, obviously, I wasn't born yet. I don't know how often he played at the DH position, but as a guy who clearly had some time there, uh, definitely a premier player for sure. My number four, Jim Tomey, Might be higher on the list had he not spent time in Philadelphia where he couldn't DH, of course. Numbers overall probably would rank him second, but the amount of games he played at first base hurt his ranking, at least for me. But this guy, a five-time All-Star, won the 1996 Silver Slugger Award. Over 2,300 hits, over 1,500 runs, 612 home runs, and just one RBI shy of 1,700, a career 276, 402, 554 slash line.
1: Yeah, that's another good one. But I'm going to throw, and I call him Mr. Chicago White Sox, Harold Baines. When you look at what Baines did, you know, just by looking at this guy, you know, he was slender. He kind of reminded me of Fred McGriff. Uh, you know, in the heyday, but boy, Harold Baines, what a DH this guy was. Pure uh, speed with power mixed in. And when you think of the Southside boys, you got to put Harold Baines in the mix.
0: That's a good one. A long career, a consistent career, finally getting into the Hall of Fame as well recently. I'm going to have a Chicago White Sox myself on the list. Coming in at number three for me is the big hurt, Frank Thomas. And kind of similar to Tomei, if he had primarily DH'd, might be number 2, even contend for number 1 on the list, but he failed to win a World Series, he doesn't necessarily have the All-Star appearances or Silver Slugger awards of some of the other guys I have here, but a 5-time All-Star, 4-time Silver Slugger award, won back-to-back AL MVPs in 93 and 94, a career 300 hitter just shy of 2,500 hits. Just shy of 1,500 runs, 1,700 RBIs, and 521 homers. The big hurt was a heck of a hitter. Yeah, you
1: can't beat that, but I'm going to go with a current guy. You know, he plays the position sometimes, resurrected his career. I saw him hit four home runs when he was a part of the Arizona Diamondbacks against the L.A. Dodgers years back. I like J.D. Martinez. He's drinking from the fountain of the youth. I know the Red Sox have slipped lately. But JD Martinez is a DH man these days, man. I just love his power.
0: Heck of a player. Wouldn't have him on my top five. He just hasn't done it long enough yet. Still has probably five plus years left in his career. Doesn't compare to the other guys on these lists. But out of the DH's today, he might be number one on the list. So I understand why you have him there. Number two for me, Edgar Martinez. Might not have the pure numbers of some of the other guys I've already discussed, but he spent so much time at the position. Was so consistently good for so long that I have him as my number two. Arguably is the prototypical DH that teams would love to have here today. But a seven-time All-Star, a five-time Silver Slugger, 2,200-plus hits, 1,200-plus runs, 309 homers, almost 1,300 RBIs, and an amazing uh, slash line of 312, 418, 515. Edgar Martinez, one of the best to ever do it as a designated hitter. Well, I'm going to
1: try to match you with that because, you know, he had a long career playing first base and
0: was regulated
1: to that DH role to somewhat. But I'm going to go Albert Pujols, Mr. St. Louis. When you think of the St. Louis Cardinals and everything, you think of, some of the pure hitters in baseball, uh, just a lineup of, of solid guys from the Shandian stays to the Brocks to everything. Albert Pujols coming over to Anaheim. I liked him in that role. I think he could just flat out hit and uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, man. Uh, when he gets in there, uh, Albert Pujols is number two for me.
0: I feel you, and I mean, similar thought to J.D. Martinez. Obviously, Pujols nearing the end. Martinez not, uh, but again, a guy that uh, also played a lot of first base, played in the National League. He's not on my list, but if you want to kind of stay in that direction, an honorable mention could be Miguel Cabrera as well. Uh, Played a lot of different positions with the Marlins, has played a lot of first base with the Tigers, certainly has been DHing, and similar to Albert Pujols, two of the best hitters of the past generation for sure, Mark. No, definitely,
1: when you look at uh, what he's accomplished. And, you know, it's sad because I really thought when the Angels released him, he would be going back to St. Louis for a farewell tour. The Dodgers picked him up, and boy, he has been a mainstay inside that clubhouse and
0: on the field. Definitely, and getting a bunch of the bats against left-handed pitching, too. The Dodgers mix and match so much. But let's get to our top D.H.'s all-time before we get into these playoff races for me. I think it's the most obvious choice. I mean, there's no one who should be above this guy. And if you have someone above this guy, I'm not sure I can even take you seriously. And I feel like you do because you have the most wacky lists of all time. But it's <laughs> it's David Ortiz, man. There's no one better than Big Poppy Ortiz at the DH position. It was a force at the plate for years and years. One of the most clutch hitters I've ever seen. A 10-time All-Star, 7-time Silver Slugger, heart and soul of the Boston Red Sox. 04, 07, and 2013 World Series champion MVP of that 2013 World Series. 541 homers, just shy of 1800 RBIs, over 1400 runs, just shy of 2500 hits. This guy is as good as you'll ever see. As a designated hitter, no, you're right. There. And he, he found
1: a home when he left Minnesota to go to Boston. Uh, he kind of resurrected his career there. The guy I like, and you know, it's tough to argue, and you know, uh, I've always liked him in that role. I know he, you know he started to play that role a little bit. George Bell and a Toronto Blue Jays man, what a mainstay. Didn't have the- bat, you know the kind of things that David Ortiz did, but I like George Bell a lot, and boy, when you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, they've always had hitting you know throughout that uh, organization's uh, mainstay. So George Bell's my choice number one. Uh, But, you know, you you know, the wacky world of Mancini here, (laughs) nine out of ten guys probably take you over on this one or tease over Bell. But I'm going to stick with Bell.
0: I'll be honest, Mark, based on your list, I think if we had ten people doing this, the only one who might make other people's lists (laughs) is Harold Baines. (laughs) Well, you you know, whatever I'm
1: thinking, you know, it's you know, I'm playing with a half a deck. God's got the other half.
0: Yeah, well, I had someone listening last week who told me they couldn't believe you didn't have Eddie Matthews on your list for top third baseman, and I, I don't yeah. disagree with them, but what I told them is Mancini does his own thing. He goes off the book, and he, <laughs> anyone could look up a list of third basemen and see Eddie Matthews towards the top. I mean, I don't know if that's even podcast worthy. We all know how great a player he is. Well, yeah, you got to go off the wall
1: sometimes, and if, if, you know, in the heyday of Bob Horner, That was rated pretty high in the Atlanta Braves organization can actually live up to his hype, you know, with Jeff Burroughs' kid, Sean Burroughs. And, you know, maybe you know, I would have picked some of those guys. But uh, yeah, you gotta, I think you gotta take it to to an extreme every now and then, keep everybody guessing, keep it exciting. That's what this show is all about. Intentional balk.
0: Exactly, and I mean, I think I clean it up anyway with, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people would probably have my players maybe just ranked in different orders, I, I would say. I think mine are fairly popular names. Some people would argue for Edgar Martinez or Frank Thomas up top, or so flip flopped whatever it might be. Someone might not have Mulder or Tomei. So it's all opinion, in my opinion, anyways. Hey, uh, my there, buddy there's...
1: checks in the show. He says, you should guys go uh, best Southpaws. Of all time,
0: best Southpaws. I like it. I like it'll. Yeah, that's a good one on an upcoming episode. But let's get to these playoff races, man. I haven't been this excited all year for these playoff races. They are really getting good. American League East, I mean, the Rays are playing so well right now. I'm not sure anyone can catch them. The offense is locked in. The bullpen is loaded, getting better starting pitching than expected. I'm not going to count out Boston, Toronto, or the Yankees from this division, but it looks like it's the Rays to lose at this point.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing the Rays' uh, big problem will come, you know, in the playoffs. We'll see what, you know, Kevin Cash does with this team. You saw how he kind of gave the Dodgers the world series on a silver platter by turning that series around, taking Blake Snell out after 71 games. And we can disagree to agree on that one if we want, but um, the Rays are good. You know, they've kind of controlled the division here. And that's because Boston just hasn't had the pitching to keep them up float right now. Toronto's trying to find themselves and the Yankees now are starting to come on like gangbusters. If they can get, you know, some of this frontline pitching back in the mix, who knows? They might be the team to give the the Rays a run. But as we talk right now, the Rays are sitting comfortable. But uh, hold on, man. We're in a stretch run with about 40 games left. So we're going to find out what teams are made out of.
0: Exactly, and I would agree that if there is a team that can push the Rays, it would be the Yankees based on how they're playing right now, which takes me to the American League wildcard, which does feature three AL East teams, three of those teams we talked about amongst the A's and even Seattle and the Angels, technically speaking. But out of the main teams here, the Red Sox are falling very fast. The A's are sticking around, but they're struggling versus the White Sox right now. They have the Giants coming up, and I just don't look at them as a playoff caliber team. The Yankees, as you mentioned, have been on fire. Jay is playing well, but just lost George Springer, not getting consistent pitching, and... The Yankees, they're on fire, but you kind of alluded to it missing some pieces. Not some pieces. They are missing a ridiculous amount of pieces. During this stretch that they've been on winning, they've been without Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Herman, Corey Kluber, Gio Urshela, Anthony Rizzo, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, and Aroldis Chapman. That's basically an entire roster of all-stars or valuable players. And they've still come through. And now some of those guys are back. Montgomery, Cole, Sanchez are back. Urshela could be back next week. Rizzo could be back on the weekend. Torres, who knows? Chapman, who knows? But this is a very scary team right now based on how they're playing and the fact that they're getting a bunch of reinforcements back.
1: Well, let's call it where we see it. I've been seeing the Mets been frauds from the beginning. You're seeing the wheels completely fall off the wagon when they're playing teams like the Giants and Dodgers now. Uh, in a two-week stretch here, you're you're seeing what teams are made of. I look at the Oakland A's as frauds, too. You know, uh, Melvin, their manager, is is a heartbreak manager. He hasn't done nothing. I mean, they dominated the Houston Astros last year in the uh, shortened season. I think they beat them 8 out of 10. And then when the playoffs started, Houston took them apart. Uh, You're seeing what's happening now with this organization. They're just not that good. I mean, you know, they're a good regular season team up to a point. They get in the playoffs. You saw two years ago they got beat in their backyard by Tampa. I'm not putting a lot of stock in the A's. This this is a far cry from the 70s when you had guys like, you know, Catfish Hunter, Burt Campanaris, Ken Holtzman, Reggie Jackson, you know, Billy Nord. This, this team is just good enough to get in the playoffs, and then they just go out like a whimper. So I don't think the A's are getting into the playoffs. I really do I think Houston will win that. So it's going to come. You might have three teams from the American League East, and I'm hoping the Blue Jays can get in this mix. But, you know, they've been struggling of late, and it's been since that series with the Angels where they kind of, you know, split the books there. You can't do that. With 40 games
0: left in the season, Toronto needs a push. They do. I mean, even 25 and 15 might not do it for them. Uh, They really need to play well. I think a big thing for them is going to be how they play against Tampa. Tampa. Boston and New York moving forward. I think it's fairly obvious to say that considering in the division, those are the teams they are going up against, but they can't rely on teams to not play well. They need to play well themselves. And right now, not happening. I think Springer is a big loss, but I think they have more than enough there to make up for it. Over to the National League. You mentioned the Mets thinking they were frauds. Well, you're right. They've been fading. They've been fading hard. And it's left the Phillies and the Braves to fight it out. I like the Phillies, but really it's the Braves, man. That lineup just so good.
1: Yeah, you know, the only thing with the Braves that's kind of scary in the last 40-something games and change here is the Braves going to make West Coast trips. They've got to go to all five of these teams out here on the West Coast. Plus, they get the Giants at home. They'll close the last six with the Mets and then three in Philadelphia. Now, they're holding their own right now since they took over the lead. Phillies losing, you know, last night. The Mets kind of losing to the Giants again. So, the Braves are starting to try to build up some kind of resistance here with these squads here so they can take, you know, a sizable lead into this because, you know, when you look at the Phillies after this, they're not coming back out to the West Coast. So, the Braves are going to be the ones that are be coming out here for a while. That's going to be a tough one to swallow uh, when you when you look at. It. I still like the Phillies to win this thing. The real problem here is the Padres. The
0: we'll Padres get to the Padres. Like seven... We will get to the Padres, Mark. I yeah. promise. Don't don't get ahead <laughs> of yourself, though. Don't get ahead of yourself. I know you're excited. No,
1: no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, what happened to my boys down south?
0: Yeah, I know. We will get to them. I, I have a lot to say, and I had a bold prediction out there on social media last week that's looking like it's starting to happen. Uh, but we'll get to it. I want to fight you back a little bit on the Braves and the Phillies, though. I think we should make an intentional balk bet. I will take the Braves. You will take the Phillies. And I'll tell you why. The Phillies' bullpen still not good enough. Their pitching is good, but they just can't close out games, in my opinion. Whereas the Braves, their starting pitching is finally coming together. Their bullpen is coming together. And since acquiring Duval and Soler... That lineup just looks completely different. You couple that with Freddie Freeman, who won the NL MVP last year, a terrific player. This year's NL MVP candidate, Ozzy Albies. This Braves team is very scary down the stretch. I don't care who they're facing. They were the team to beat coming into the season. They finally have found their stride. Watch out.
1: Well, I think you're right about the Phillies, but now with Ian Kennedy on that back into the bullpen, he can stop the bleeding a little. You had to get rid of Neris. You know, you you, you got to you know, find some, you know, uh, thing where he can just maybe pitch to one or two batters and that's it. Don't let him close any games. They haven't had a closer for quite a few years back there. And they had, a, you know, a cast of good ones, even going back to the Mitch Williams and, you know, before he had the big meltdown. But I think the, the thing that's going to come down, their strength is their bats. They got some potent, you know, bats in that lineup. They got a better manager, I think, in Girardi. I think they can overtake the Braves. And when I look at the Braves, I don't know if no, they can really match up with the Brewers and the, you know, the Giants and the uh, Dodgers uh, when push comes to shove. So that'll be the real problem there. The National League East has kind of slipped a little. You see, it, you know, you, you, the, the level of competition is really not there, other than those three teams. The, the Marlins have been a punching bag of late. And the Nationals have had a garage sale.
0: Oh, for sure. And to me, the Mets, without DeGrom, the way they hit the baseball, which is not enough, um, they're going to fade as well. Over to the NL West, though, where we can briefly talk about the Padres before we get to the wild card, where it looks like even that is slipping away from them. But in the NL West, I'm counting out the Padres, Mark. There's just not enough time for them to make up 10 plus games that they are behind right now the Giants clearly the team to beat at this point but not far enough ahead where if they did have one bad stretch and the Dodgers had one good stretch that it couldn't change the Dodgers problem is their bullpen the Padres problem is their starting pitching while the Giants simply in my opinion don't have any weaknesses
1: well, here's the problem, you know, and, and, and I'll start out, you know, uh, getting into the Padres. They're like 17 and 17 against the, uh, the Diamondbacks and Rockies. And they've had a stretch where they had the Marlins and both those other two teams. And they've just been slipping, you know, losing Darvish now, picking up Jake Arrieta to try to stop the bleeding. If I'm the San Diego Padres, I can care less if the Dodgers are eight, nine games ahead of us in the wild card. All I need to do is hold off the Cincinnati Reds, which I think I can, and then gear up for the one-game playoff. And I don't care if it's in Chavez or Zitveen. I I really don't. And people might say, well, you want to get the home field in your yard. I think the Padres can play with anybody, anywhere. And when I look at the Dodgers, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Dodgers because they're not going to catch the Giants. You know, the Giants have, you know, kind of – you know, I, I, when you listen to Dodger announcers, they always go, the Giants haven't gone through a rut here. Yeah, the Giants went through a rut. They lost, you know, some games, and they lost a season series of the Pittsburgh Pirates, too. But when you look at the Dodgers' the excuses they're bringing to the table weren't the excuses when they were facing other teams in the playoffs last year and they were beating them like a drum. The Brewers were all banged up. The Padres didn't have two starters. And I don't know what the hell happened with Atlanta when they forgot how to win one game. Uh, taking a three-to-one lead on the Dodgers. But I will tell you this. This is going to be really interesting with the Dodgers, a $245 million payroll. If they get knocked out in the first round against the San Diego Padres, yeah, they will be joining my Pittsburgh Pirates on the sidelines too. So that would be simply priceless for me.
0: I can understand why, why for sure. Uh, to this NL wild card, though, the Dodgers, we know they're pretty safe at this point, barring a complete meltdown. Padres were in that same boat, not so much anymore, though. And I said last week, I hinted towards this bold prediction I made, that the Reds are going to overtake the Padres in the wildcard. To me, the Padres' <laughs> starting pitching has been a big issue lately and going to continue to be an issue for them Whereas you look at the Reds, they have a very easy division aside from the Brewers. They are also an amazing lineup. They have a very solid starting staff with Castillo, Gray, Miley, Molly, and Gutierrez five deep. Look out for the Cincinnati Reds.
1: Well, I think if if you're a Dodger fan, you you want the Reds. And even though you're one and two with them with three more uh next month in Cincinnati. You don't want to face a Padre team, even if it's in your backyard and you got an advantage if you think you have an advantage because, you know, right now you're 3-7 and seven against the Padres. So they, the Padres got a swagger to them. I think they can overcome it. And if I'm them right now, the last 40 games, I'm just basically saying I can care less if we have to go up to L.A. for a one-game playoff. Let's just right the ship here, get our pitching in order, get our guys back. And, you know, what they've done now with Tontes Jr., move them to the right field, they got the bats. And psychologically, Lou, they're in the Dodgers' head. So if you're a Dodger fan, yeah, you want the Reds. But I think San Diego will hold them off. That's what baseball wants. They want a San Diego-LA one-game winner-take-all. And, boy, wouldn't that be sweet. And 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 I'm going to call it right now. If they do meet, I think the Padres will beat them in the one-game playoff. Because if it comes down to the bullpen, The Dodgers better have guys like Bueller, Urias, Scherzer already in the back end of the bullpen. Maybe even Kershaw, he ain't starting that game because they will not beat the Padres throwing guys out there like Granol and, you know, uh,
0: Mark, they won't beat the Padres because the Padres aren't going to get there.
1: I'm going with the Padres. You have the Braves. I got the Phillies. I'm telling you, the Padres will get there before the Reds.
0: Yeah, that's what a lot of people said to my to my prediction. But I think the Reds have narrowed that lead now to about one and a half games. And Padres can't even beat the Rockies.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it, you know. But when you look at the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers are only one game over 500 with teams over 500. And they got to go to Cincinnati. Atlanta's got to come in here. The Mets are coming in for four starting tomorrow uh so it's 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 pretty tough down the stretch for the the, you know they got games at the Padres and you know here's the weird thing in baseball and I really wanted to get in it real quick the Giants Dodgers are done Labor Day weekend so if the Dodgers can't make a dent in that they're going to be doing scoreboard watching all the way till the end of the year and their last three games the Dodgers have the Milwaukee Brewers and if that is any indication where the Brewers are trying to chase down home field, good luck with that.
0: That is a possibility. It's also quite the possibility that the Brewers will not be able to get that home field. They will have already locked up their division and will want to give Burns, Woodruff, and uh, Peralta the weekend off. So that on paper right now looks like a huge series. By that time, might not be the case. Uh, for the Dodgers, though, yeah, they definitely got to win that series versus the Giants. They'll be scoreboard watching. But this almost is good for the Dodgers, in my opinion. So many years, they've gone to the playoffs and just kind of cruised and haven't had to fight for much down the stretch. Um, having to fight down the stretch might actually improve their chances once they get in, if they can get by that one-game wild card.
1: Well, not only that, they're going to earn it this time around because... Even if you get by the Padres, which I don't think they will, you're going to probably get the Giants. And, you know, these two teams, they don't they really don't care because they feel like they could beat the Dodgers. <laughs> and then if you get through that, then you're going to get a Milwaukee or an Atlanta or whoever. So you're, you're going to earn your income uh, going through this gauntlet. And then you got the World Series after that. This will be the hardest run the Dodgers have had, and I will throw this to the Dodger fan out there. In the last three World Series uh, championships, you've only won one playing 162 games, and that was 1988. 1981 was a strike-shorting year where you won it, and last year, tongue-in-cheek, playing 20-something games you won it. So we're going to find out what the L.A. Dodgers are made out of moving forward
0: you certainly a will mark great stuff here today folks intentional Bach brought to you by dr premium access to our staff in the members only discord you can subscribe using promo code radio for a nice discount mlb nfl nba nhl pga esports dfs fantasy sports sports betting with the most elite tools in the industry mark any final thoughts I love
1: you, brother. I love your sponsor. I love everything about you. You're taking it over, buddy. You're the best. And uh, I'm so blessed to be a part of this each and every Wednesday.
0: Well, I appreciate the kind words. Love doing the show with you. Love talking baseball. And, of course, we'll be back next week, everybody. So thanks for tuning in. Lou Landers, Mark Mancini, DrRoto.com, promo code RADIO. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Have a fantastic week. And I hope whoever you're cheering for, unless it's the Red Sox, has a great week as well. Take care. (laughs)